Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day. None other than the big homie Jordan Yule, TYT contributor, all-star, fascinating individual. Also in the bullpen, we have Dave Leventhal, uh, Raw Story, Chief Editor. Uh, they got something to say. Top story of the day. Hell of a thing, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, whole family gets kicked off of a flight. With child, while the mother is breastfeeding, the rudeness is insane. Here's the first video. The fact that we got to be here in this airport with our daughter overnight for the next five hours, our flight was already delayed five hours. It's hard to believe that this happened to us, man. It's just, I just hope that we can do something to make sure nobody else is wrongfully kicked off the flight with that one-year-old daughter, that wife, and that husband. Four violations took place on January 7th from Fly Frontier. One, defamation of character. It was a false statement that was made to, made publicly to the higher ups at Fly Frontier stating that I was disrespectful, that I was disrupting our passengers, and that was a lie. Did you see me being disrespectful? No. Did anybody on this flight get disturbed by what happened? Did anybody get disturbed Anybody here? know what was happening up here? Did they kick it no. off this plane? Nobody okay. saw anything? You sitting across from us, did you see trying to just get some anything? evidence? For one, we are both respectable business owners with respectable brands. On top of that, we was raised with respect and to treat others with respect as well. So the next violation is actually an American right to free speech. I have a right to state my opinion and ask questions without fear of retaliation. And that's definitely is not what occurred uh, on January 7th on the Frontier flight. We stated a question, we stated our opinion, and then we were unjustly removed from a flight because they didn't like the questions we asked and they didn't like our opinions. We were never rude. We were never cursing. We were never standing. We were never yelling. We have more video. Uh, you're looking at Raven and Tony Parker. The airline is Frontier Airline. This is an indisputable exclusive. We do not see any other news agency covering this presently. But I have directly reached out to the CEO. A frontier. More about that in a moment. Here's what happened next. Another violation, there was no integrity in this workspace. I was breastfeeding my daughter, Isabella, when Jayla Cocker decided to come over, harass my husband, harass us while we're sitting in our seats, giving unreasonable demands, and just had a lack of empathy to see that obviously we are sitting here, we're traveling with a vulnerable baby. Concerns soon turned into panic once we realized we didn't have Isabella's car seat, we didn't have her stroller, we didn't have her bag that also not just included solid foods. Once everything is also closed at the airport being it's nine o'clock um, on a Sunday, we also didn't have medication that was in there as well. Also, they didn't care that we was gonna be at an airport with a baby who also was not gonna be able to sleep. We don't have a car seat or stroller. They took our stuff on the plane, leaving our baby in danger if we needed to travel. And they didn't care about that when they unjustly kicked us off the plane. They also spoke directly with staff asking, can you explain why we were removed? And here's the response. They also gave us fake names. Allison D. Wharf told us that her name was Amy. No integrity. So what's your name? I have to make a complaint because you're now taking me off as we've already been delayed five hours. I haven't spoken to you. You spoke to them and now y'all brought us back after we've been late for five hours. I have a baby and I have a, I need to get names. What's your name? Y'all can't say your name because I know y'all are wrong. Amy. Furthermore, they were in violation of bolstering 
transparency of passenger rights. Uh, Supervisor Francisco Love did not offer us any explanation as we were unjustly and unethically removed from the flight uh, while my wife was actually breastfeeding our child. Uh, he didn't gather any information from the passengers, uh, any persons on the plane. Uh, the lady sitting next to us even stood up in our defense, wondering what was going on. He offered no explanation and he just let us be kicked off. How was we disrupted? You're gonna have to step over here. How was we disrupted? Can you let us know? So did, did they let you know? How was we disrupted? There's a conclusion here that insinuates obviously this is not the first time it has happened to a family. Here it is. We are not the only family to experience this type of unethical, unjust, and even I say racial treatment from Frontier Airlines. There are plenty of that examples of other families that have been unjustly kicked off planes or not refunded, changed flights, all types of horror stories. You came in and we were quiet, minding our business. And then you pulled us off, we don't have a stroller, we have a baby, and you say we gotta pay $99 to rebook. Correct. Please sign this petition. Um, we're sending it to Barry Biffle, who is also the CEO. And president of Frontier Airlines. So fight with us. It's not just about us and our experience, it's about everyone who's also been affected by Fly Frontier. And making sure it never happens again. Enough is enough. And they won for now, but we're not gonna stop fighting until we, we get justice for this. Enough is enough. Raven Parker, the mother, would explain on the Instagram post, quote, on January 7th, 2024, my family and I endured a distressing incident on our flight. The flight attendant subjected my husband, baby, and me to unwarranted antagonism and harassment, leading to our unjust removal from the plane. Our pleas for our luggage were callously ignored, leaving us without food and medicine for our baby. We were left unheard and humiliated as we were kicked off the plane. Eventually, the supervisor, Francisco Love, started to recognize the error and began offering incentives. These actions are inconsistent with someone convinced or convicted of our wrongdoing. This incident possibly fueled by racial bias highlights a pressing need for mothers and families to be vigilant against such mistreatment. We are not the only family or individual who's endured unethical practices against them from Fly Frontier. Please stand with us as we fight to make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else in quote. Put up the CEO of Frontier Airlines. You're looking at Barry Biffle. Keep Barry's picture up. I've reached out to Barry Biffle on his LinkedIn page directly. I sent him the message personally. I would like an explanation or perhaps what remedy has been done. I want the answer, Barry. Keep his picture up as I remind Barry of what's on his own website for Frontier. We welcome nursing customers who wish to breastfeed on board. Baggage containing a breast pump or 
Breast milk may be brought on board in addition to the standard free personal item. In other words, there's this support and encouragement of mother's breastfeeding. You give allowance when it is necessary, understanding the sensitivity of the moment. The CDC states, the medical preparation of a traveler who is breastfeeding differs only slightly from that of other travelers and depends in part on whether the breastfeeding traveler and child will be separated or together during travel. Most travelers should be advised to continue breastfeeding their children throughout travel from the CDC. Um, Erica Wilson, attorney at law, civil rights attorney extraordinaire from the Fairness Firm said, and I quote, it is 2024. And it saddens me that the stigma behind breastfeeding still exists. A mother naturally feeding a child in public or an airplane should never have been made national news. The treatment of this family and the alleged abandonment of their child by Frontier Airlines is inexcusable. Corporations should be held accountable for the conduct of their employees, end quote. I'm asking for more information. Right now, I do not have a direct statement from the CEO, Mr. Biffle. I would like one. If there's an update, please provide it. This is one of those stories that started to develop. And we don't have a lot of information other than the context of those who were victims, allegedly victims. Now, to Jordan, dear brother, um, there's a humanity that should always come with a policy, period. It's unfortunate we have to create laws to protect people when really if we just treated them human, no law would be required. But in this case, it seems as if policy, federal law, common sense, and decency should have prevailed, but did not. What say you? I mean, flying is already a frustrating experience as is. I can't imagine how much more frustrating it must be and how yeah. burdensome it it is if you are a parent of a one-year-old. Like it's very stressful. You have somewhere to go. You're also trying to deal with a, a toddler. Like it's just I, I don't I can't comprehend that. So I, I feel on that point immediately feel sympathy with with that family. But to kick a family off for for breastfeeding, for having a mother breastfeeding is just like totally devoid, like you're saying, totally devoid of humanity. Because that's something that has to be done. Like the kid needs to eat. That's how you feed a baby. It's a really bizarre set of circumstances, and I'd be curious to learn more. I really hope this family finds some sort of resolution. Yeah, same here. We will update uh, this story as it develops. All right, Marjorie Taylor Greene, US Congresswoman out of the state of Georgia. She's showing nude pics again of, well, none other than Hunter Biden. She really likes to do this. Here it is. And it's marked Mr. out. Chairman, point of parliamentary out, point, showing point proof of, inquiry, uh, proof of man okay. act violations. Uh, um, Democrats should should okay, not be okay. offended by pictures uh, that Chairman, black out. Have things. I been recognized? They should be offended by trafficking. Mr. Chairman, state your point. Thank you kindly, Mr. Chairman. On July 26, I sent you a letter about the last time this happened when the general lady uh, introduced uh, before this committee without any notice to. Uh, anyone, uh, nude photos, pornographic uh, images that were completely irrelevant to the purpose uh, of the hearing itself. And my question to you is, are members allowed to 
simply put up sensationalistic, voyeuristic, pornographic images if they're not relevant to the actual object of the legislative proceeding. But, I want a parliamentary ruling well, on that. Mr. Askin, that's probably part of the questioning for for Mr. Biden violations of the Mann Act. Ms. Green's led on that issue. No, no, this is a these, a, these, are, these guys are feckless. I mean, damn. All right, let's get to it. Per the Daily Beast, Hunter Biden yesterday, yesterday morning, made an unexpected appearance at the House Oversight Committee. This was a committee hearing considering whether he should be held in contempt of the US Congress. Something that Republicans obviously are okay with as long as it is Trump doing it. Biden had actually walked out of the room moments before Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene began speaking, leading her to call him a coward. Here it is. Gentlemen, time's expired. Chair, recognize Ms. Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, here <laughs> oh. I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. <laughs> this is the champion of a congressional district in Georgia and many bigots around the nation. I mean, let's not forget, she was one of the keynote speakers for an actual white supremacist conference in Florida. All right, put him up besides Representative Jamie Raskins, Democrat. Objections to the images being shown, Raskin at point shouting, this is not the Jerry Springer show. No, sir, it is not. Unfortunately, it's far worse. It's the US Congress. Green's comments also provoked a rebuttal from Representative Robert Garcia, who reminded that the gentle lady from Georgia had previously shown mm, pics of Biden in the same room. Here it is. Nude photos of Hunter Biden in this very committee room, showing showing pics in this committee room uh, of of Hunter Biden. I have my five minutes, uh, gentle lady, and so I think it's really I think it's really ironic, hypocritical, uh, quite shameful that uh, the, uh, the person who's complaining about somebody leaving when she's showing nude photos of him uh, to this committee, uh, it, it, showing nude photos of him to this committee in this in this very room. And you also uh, talk about uh, decorum. You talk, you're talking about January 6th. Uh, you know, Ms. You know, uh, Green, I was there with you when we went to the January 6th jail. And when you were hugging, high-fiving, uh, uh, talking to, and providing so much comfort and joy to the insurrectionists that attacked our capital. Yeah. See, the Constitution actually provides a remedy. It says those who engage in an insurrection or support them cannot hold political office. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically the sentiment. But there's no appetite, not even from most Democrats in power, to actually use it. They would like to leverage it for campaigns, but to actually use it, no. Put them up, committee chair, 
Um, the feckless leader I referenced earlier, James Comer, Republican out of Kentucky, would ultimately counter that the images were likely to be part of Republicans questioning for Biden, should they ever ink an agreement for his testimony. The Republican-led committee later held a party line vote to allow the photos. The off the rails hearing came after Republicans launched contempt proceedings against the younger Biden last month for his refusal to comply with the subpoena for his deposition in the impeachment inquiry into his father. The Republican led probe has relied heavily on unsubstantiated claims that President Joe Biden benefited financially from his son's foreign business dealings. Now, let me explain this on another level because some people are saying, well, if Biden did nothing wrong, talking about Hunter Biden, and if President Biden did nothing wrong, why is it that Hunter Biden will not testify under oath? I'm going to give you the reason that likely is affiliated with the action here. Once you are under oath, the line of questioning can get bizarre. And obviously, in this context, it will, given the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene and others, where it becomes a Q&A about trying to air your dirty laundry, no pun intended, things that a person would not want to talk about in front of the US Congress. You see, when you eliminate the good faith element of the rules connected to testimony, engagement of the evidence, once you eliminate that, it becomes a circus. And that's exactly what he walked into. Um, Hunter Biden has repeatedly refused for a closed door deposition, arguing that it would give Republicans a chance to railroad him by distorting what is actually said in the meeting. Instead, he and his lawyers have repeatedly offered to answer questions publicly, put him up at, uh, as the beast notes, in the wake of the chaotic hearing, Mr. Lowell, an attorney for Hunter, accused Republicans of trying to, quote, use him as a surrogate to attack his father. The attorney said, um, said further, the, uh, excuse me, his six offers were made to Republicans for Hunter to provide testimony, but to no avail. Uh, more nonsense from Marjorie Taylor Greene, what occurred yesterday, per NBC News. Greene filed a complaint Wednesday alleging criminal misconduct by DA Fonnie Willis, the woman who was prosecuting Donald Trump on behalf of the people of Georgia. Marjorie Taylor Greene is trying to get that vice presidential nod hardcore. It's amazing. This is how you run for political office today. All right, there's more, put them up. Um, the vocal Trump ally requested a criminal investigation into DA Willis and special prosecutor Nathan Wade, who is representing the DA's office in the Georgia Rico case. After the salacious filing on behalf of Trump co-defendant Michael Roman to dismiss charges, alleged the two of them having, they were having an improper relationship according to the motion. What Green called an illegal conflict of interest. It's not how it works, by the way. Now, I said this on day one, the entire motion lacked legalese and lacked evidence. It was done on the last day when you can file a pretrial motion, but it was done to do exactly what is happening right now. You don't think these individuals had conversation? You don't think this is a one, two combination? Of course it is. They needed an opening. The motion provided an opening. What's the argument of the attorney? The attorney is saying that all charges should be dismissed 
because perhaps maybe based on a rumor, the DA and the special prosecutor, they had or have an inappropriate professional relationship that is personal. Which means if true, they have violated an office policy. A violation of an office policy is not in fact a violation of a constitutional right of a defendant. A violation of an office policy is not in fact a violation of a statutory legal right of a defendant. Two grand juries, one special purpose grand jury and the second normative grand jury allocated the charges specifically. One by recommendation, the other one by true bill. These things are constitutionally mandated in the state of Georgia. Those things have already happened. There's more, all right, NBC notes, Willis has not responded to the claim in either court filings or through requests for comment. Green's referral has been submitted to Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and Attorney General Chris Carr. Now to keep everything transparent, Chris Carr, the Attorney General is the one who has the constitutional right to appoint a special prosecutor if there is malfeasance found. But to drop the charges is utterly insane. Green notes that invoices submitted by Wade to the DA's office total nearly $700,000 in official funds and include one billing in November 5th, 2021. Quote, for 24 hours on a single day, and another for two trips to Washington, D.C. The allegations suggest an unlawful partisan pattern to illegally politicize and weaponize her public office against Trump ahead of the 2024 presidential election. She writes, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you do realize it's Trump who actually is making the argument it's okay to weaponize the presidency against other people. He's the one who tried to do it while being president. And his attorneys have recently argued that even if Donald Trump ordered the assassination of a political rival, it would have been covered under immunity unless or until he was impeached, convicted. There's more. Green argues that if proven true, these actions reflect Fannie Willis seriously, is serious, the serious lawlessness, including potential violation of public oath and other Georgia statutes. Rome is filing. Uh, which calls for Willis, Wade, and the DA to be removed from the case, the DA's office does not provide direct evidence of his claim. There's no evidence of a romantic relationship presented in the motion between Willis and Wade, citing only, quote, sources with knowledge, end quote. Hell of a thing. This is what happens when you prosecute a very powerful, politically connected, wealth connected and let's just call it for what it is, racist connected individual in America. Everything becomes important, even things that should not be. There's a reason, there's a reason why relevance matters inside of a judicial proceeding. Jordan thoughts here. Nobody ever accused Marjorie Taylor Greene of being smart or ideologically consistent, but it is really funny to see her demand the release of these nudes and claim that Hunter Biden's be personal private behavior somehow reflects on 
his dad's corruption, but and that's you know there's some link there, but we don't see any evidence whatsoever for this alleged romantic relationship. But nevertheless, they should just be removed from the case. It's she makes a mockery of the entire institution. Not even that the institution is really worth a lot of respect right now. It's a total circus. The Republican Party especially is fueling that. They're totally in disarray. And I think Democrats really need to seize on this this nightmare scenario that they've created where people who just get all of their political opinions and information from Facebook memes and have totally been fried going down conspiracy rabbit holes are now members of Congress. They really need to do a better job synthesizing that and messaging that to the broader political base because it's really unfortunate that she is somebody who continues to maintain relevancy in American politics when she just does not know what she's doing or what she's talking about and is really only there for theatrics. Yeah, and that's her job because she's good at it. She's bad at the other stuff, so she is gravitating to her strength, not a weakness. We will update as updates develop. Um, Trump lawyer said, hey, you know, Trump could have ordered the assassination of a political opponent, political rival, which by the way would include Republican rivals, just so you know. Makes this argument its own record now in a court. Here's more. What about the issue of the immunity case? Uh, going before a three judge panel, arguments were held earlier today. At times, based on reports I read, it almost seemed to go off the rails asking, well, what if the president uh, uh, instructs SEAL Team 6 to kill innocent people? Uh, you know, w- w- would the president? be acting in his capacity as the president of the United States, would they have immunity? That seemed to go off the rails. I understand two of the three judges, a three judge panel were Biden appointed judges. That's that's correct. I've actually been in front of a judge in New York and been asked the same question on the Michael Cohen case. I won that case on immunity. Um, it's hypotheticals that do not currently exist because the real facts are so easy to win that we have to now argue the slippery slope argument of if he kills someone, will be he be held accountable? He didn't kill anyone. He didn't cause an insurrection. He didn't get charged for it. But they're using hypotheticals to frighten America. This is a slam dunk no. case. He should have an absolute immunity and presidential immunity. The entire American legal system is based on hypotheticals. If you do this and you form mans rea. And it led to that. This is the charge. Hypothetical, yes. Put him up, full mass. Mediate reported that on Tuesday, Trump attorney John Sawyer told a DC Circuit Court of Appeals panel that President Donald Trump, former President of the United States, should have presidential immunity from all federal prosecution to overturn the 2020 election, claiming that all of his actions under investigation were done in his official capacity as president and because the Senate did not convict him for it. Keep his picture up, please understand the basis of his argument. He is saying that a president of the United States while being president is completely 100% above the law. But when asked, If the president were to order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival, 
the attorney oddly argued that the president would first need to be impeached and convicted by the legislative body before he could be convicted of any criminal wrongdoing. Fox News legal analyst Jonathan Turley found the argument lacking. Representative Jamie Raskin later pointed out the folly of his argument, noting the absurd logic of his argument that any sitting president could just order the killing of any US senator to prevent an impeachment conviction. Credit for credit to Hannity for asking how about this bizarre defense, to which she replied by hammering the judge for posing hypotheticals that do not currently exist. Yes, that's what the law is. Hypotheticals that do not currently exist. Um, remember this? The people, my people are so smart. And you know what else they say about my people? The polls. They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. Yeah. That was called the seed. This is called the growth. Put her up. Per Huff Post. Elisa Farah Griffin, who served as White House Communications Director under Trump, said the shocking courtroom hypothetical about him ordering people killed may not be so hypothetical. Griffin, now a co-host of The View, called the claim scary regarding Trump. Quote, the problem is with Trump. This isn't super outside of the realm of possibility that we would be in a scenario like that, she said on Wednesday's show. Then elaborated, quote, when he was told his VP had to be evacuated from the Capitol for his own safety, he said basically, so what? Then he said he deserved it when there were hang Mike Pence signs. He alluded to General Milley should be executed. He, in a meeting, I was in, in the Oval Office with a dozen other staffers said that an aide should be executed for leaking something negative about him. So this is a man who will push kind of every boundary that's out there. Griffin went into more detail about the Oval Office incident during an episode of The View that aired last month, saying, quote, right before I resigned, I was in an Oval Office meeting with a dozen other staffers. And somebody had, he thinks, leaked a story about him going to the bunker during the George Floyd protest, she said. And he said, quote, whoever did that should be executed. That moment also was also described in Wall Street Journal reporter Michael Bender's 2021 book. Frankly, we did win this election. Welcome to America 2024. Jordan, thoughts? It's a, it's a horrifying prospect. It's yeah, like you say, any anybody who has any familiarity with just legal education knows that hypotheticals are are prevalent throughout your entire education, wow. and something you must wrestle with as an attorney. It's how they consider, how judges consider the limits of a law or the impact of their ruling. And I would hope in the D.C. Circuit and the appeals there, I can't imagine that they would ever grant a president, any president, and especially him, absolute and total immunity. The thing where I get really un, un nervous is if he appeals to the Supreme Court. Yeah. If 
if they have to decide on this issue, and I just, I don't know anymore. That court is so radical. And the, the conservatives on that court are so uh, delusional and totally detached from reality. I don't have any confidence in that. I would like to think that Roberts and maybe one other see that this is a horrifying uh, outcome and a horrifying prospect, but I don't know. They just don't seem to have any regard for the law. They seem to be purely partisan players, and they'll do whatever they can to give conservatives win after win after win. Yeah, and listen, I would love to say, Jordan, that policy is on the agenda. There's a reason why Republicans are not talking policy. They're talking culture, they're talking race, they're talking blood. They're talking this way because they do not want a democracy. They don't want to have a president. They want to have a dictator. They are not pro-democracy in any form. So if you're arguing constitution or democracy with them, understand their agenda is different. On the agenda for them is not a policy. It is democracy itself. All right? We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday. You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Hey, man. I'm just checking the video. Is that all right? Are you, are you, is this Christian? And what are y'all doing here? Is that a church? What kind of a church? And you're doing this? Is God for this? God is for hospitality. God is very God is for same-sex marriage? Where's that in the Bible? Oh, you don't know? God is love. Of course he is. But he's holy too. You believe God is holy? You believe he's got commands? And do you believe we should obey them? Do you believe we should obey them? Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah, but love, love is not on the expense of truth, is it? Yeah, but this is an abomination to God. I do. Do you read your Bible? Do you read your Bible? But do you read your Bible? This is an elderly woman, actually it's an elderly couple doing this. Um, he's harassing them. There's more video. Here it is. Gamora? I'm not one of the do, do, do you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? I used to report. Yeah, but do you know what happened? I used to report in this I would like it to stop because we can have a conversation. But do you know what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah? I would like it to stop before. This is, a, this, is like this is crazy. It, this is not Christian. This is an abomination. And here's the criminal act, in my opinion. That was done next.
This is sad. It gives faith a bad name, especially in the context of Christianity. The person who did this is completely incorrect on scripture. I'm happy to provide theological reference. Outside of scripture, he's completely incorrect in his morality, ethics, and alleged spirituality. Put up the picture full mass. It says rainbow Christians together. I don't know if this individual is aware, but rainbows are celebrated in scripture. It's actually part of the Old Testament literature. It is a sign of a covenant that God made between people and heaven to not destroy the earth by way of water again. That's your scriptural reference. So rainbows are beautiful and celebrated. You said something else, sir. You said to the response when the woman said, God is love. You said, well, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Sir, did you read the next part of that scripture? It also said what the commandments are, to love God with all your heart and to love each other and to love each other. He said, those are the two commandments that you should keep. He did not list anymore. He left that part out. How about this scripture in 1 John? It says, quote, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. First John chapter four, verses seven through eight. And then, sir, you mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah that gets contextualized by ignorant preachers and their parishioners all across this planet to suggest that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of homosexuality. That is the preaching that has been done. You know, the Bible actually tells you what happened. It's in the book of Ezekiel, put it up. Why was the city destroyed? God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, Ezekiel 16, 49 through 50. Quote, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor. They did not help the needy. They were haughty and they, were, they did detestable things before me. So the sins of Sodom included pride. Apathy, complacency, idleness, and unconcern for the underprivileged. You left that part out, sir. You see, you've been tricked. You think God is a he? You believe that? You think these labels are important to the afterlife, to heaven, whatever you choose to call it? Do you believe you're more than just a physical body? Because if you do, that means that this is an expression, a very, very low vibration expression of a divine thing. To utilize what you believe to be spiritual knowledge in order to disrupt this couple 
is antithetical to anything I would understand as Christian. And I will not allow people like you to hijack my faith. All right, Jordan, thoughts here. Yeah, I think what this couple was doing was the best example of someone demonstrating their beliefs. You want more people like this. I think there are unfortunately a lot of people who exploit religion, whether it's Christianity or Islam or whatever, for their own personal gain or through warped understandings of religion. But when you see things like this, it's heartwarming. When you see things like uh, you know, people taking care of the needy without, you know, trying to recruit them or without trying to fulfill some other mission. They're just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. It's it's reassuring. And it, yeah. you're reminded that there is good in the world. So when you see people like this trying to create a welcome space, unfortunately, in, in a religion or in a, in a world and society where many people of faith haven't been welcoming to members of the LGBTQIA plus community. And that's that's sad. That's really unfortunate. I, I really appreciate what they're doing. This guy to go and film himself defacing it only makes him look stupid. Yep. Like you point out, it's a total corruption uh, of what their book says, what the Bible says, and what they were taught, and what they sh- how they should live their life. The only person making an idiot of himself is this guy. That's right. That's right. And just to remind people, because I know I get a lot of Bible thumpers who oppose me. In my interpretation of scripture, first of all, all scripture was written by men. That's the reason they could have more than one wife and women could not have more than one husband. Um, every man I know is fallible, all of them, including this one. All right. God gave me a brain before he gave me a book. He designed it that way. God designed it that way for a reason. IHOP workers, hell of a thing. IHOP workers fired for refusing to serve a black couple. Here's the video. And we were told that the waiter not gonna take us because of our race. You the manager? Yeah. Whoa. Tell her what what is she saying that the deck server won't take us because of our race? Why? Because she said it. She said it. Yeah, I know. It's because one our one our morning server, she's she picky. No, she's not picky, she's racist. So why is she working here if she's racist? Because you can't. 25 years. I don't give a damn if she's been here, if she's the owner. You sit here telling me that y'all know that a person work here and won't take customers because of their race, and that person is still here because of their seniority? No, I mean, she, I mean, she's, you're, you, hey, you, corporate, I can't, I can't control what my manager does, my GM, my owner. So you're saying the owner and the GM are aware of that and they okay with it? Yeah, she got a corporate complaint about it. If not, I'll take this. I don't care. Nah, I don't even want to eat here because that don't even make no sense. I don't understand how that even works. Y'all have a person working here and you're saying your corporate and your GM are aware of that and it's okay. Let's, let's get her name. Yeah, let's I need her name and your name. And and the other I just not came over here. Right, but you're the manager. Well, there's four of us here. I needed everybody's name. Yeah, I need all four of your names. I appreciate you letting me know three more here. Thank you for that information. It's called public accommodations, meaning you cannot discriminate based upon these factors, race being one of them, openly discriminating. I won't serve them because they're black, according to the narrative. Um, public accommodations violation for sure. But you definitely have more here. 
Put up the picture full mass. In Mesquite, Texas, several IHOP employees were terminated. Oh, IHOP finally saw the light after 25 years of racism. Um, it's not racism, she's just picky. After Keisha Mitchell and her boyfriend Elvis were refused service due to their race, when they went to have a birthday breakfast for Elvis on December 26th, one day after Christmas. Mitchell told CBS News, the couple was informed by an employee a waitress did not want to serve them because of our color. The incident leaving Mitchell in shock. Mitchell decided to record the conversation and captured the manager describing the waitress who has worked there for nearly three decades as picky, according to the report. She did not want to say she was racist. She said she's picky. No, that's not being picky if you're selecting only a certain group of people that you want to serve. Mitchell stated, Mitchell said she learned via social media that the waitress, the manager, and another employee were fired. In a statement to CBS News, the Breakfast Chains franchise, the Anthraper restaurant said they investigated the isolated incident and confirmed the three workers firing. In isolated, it seems to me continual, ongoing. That's called negligent retention. Hell, it may be negligent hire. You may have hired and known good damn well those political or uh, philosophical racist views. Uh, additionally, we will be providing additional anti-harassment, anti-discrimination training to ensure that all remaining team members understand the company's unwavering intolerance to any prohibited form of discrimination. The statement continued. Uh, but according to the narrative, corporate was aware. So is corporate receiving the training? Because it seems to me that the other workers were aware that it is wrong to do. There's more for Mitchell and her significant other. The experience has had a lasting impact on them. Quote, that is a very traumatic experience. You don't know what your thoughts or reactions are going to be until you experience something like that, end quote. She added, have we, have we come as far as we think? Or is it just being hidden more? The incident uh, is reminiscent of another case that we broke right here on Indisputable. Involving two black truck drivers, Damon Whitfield and Hector Madera, amazing gentlemen. They were denied service while dining at a South Dakota Denny's. This was last summer. Attorney Erica Wilson and Harry Daniels are representing them now. Open, apparent, and it looks to be well tolerated by corporate. Corporate should know liability lawsuit will eventually happen. They're willing to put their entire franchise, industry, on the line in order to allow racist people to work there. That doesn't make sense. All right, Jordan, thoughts here. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on the repeated point. In, in that video, the other employee says they got a corporate complaint over it. 
So what did they know and when did they know it? And why didn't they do anything about it? So I, I, it just seems like they thought it would blow blow away, blow, you people would forget about it, but it seems like they took action swiftly here because the video started getting circulated, started yep. getting local press coverage. So it's important. It's a reminder that these stories are important to cover and to talk about because if not, those corporations might not feel any pressure. Not, nothing might be done and more people, unfortunately, will be discriminated against. There you go. And it's not about the one incident. It is about the permeation of them all. All right. Stephen A. Smith goes in on Jason Whitlock. Here it is. As a black man, knowing our history, anything worse than a white supremacist. That is, until Jason Whitlock came along. He is the worst, most despicable, lying, no good, fat ass human being I have ever known in my life. Don't y'all notice why black people scurry away whenever this roach of an individual is around? You know what's out there writing stuff, smiling in my face one minute? talking smack about me behind my back, and then ultimately writing it, it was him. This same Jason Whitlock that wants to talk smack about me is the same Jason Whitlock that wanted to hire me. Weeks later, you wrote a lengthy apology to me in an email begging me to forgive you, pointing out how you were betrayed by this particular writer so you know how I must feel that you betrayed me. Did you tell the folks that, you bitch? Did you tell them, you fat piece of It's the same Jason Whitlock that stood outside doors trying to get me and coax me into even having a conversation with them because they knew I was so disgusted with them, presumably after he hit a strip club. Because we all know ain't nobody trying to go out with him. I had it in my contract, and I have a copy of it, where it specifically stipulates that I never work with Jason Whitlock. It's in writing. No wonder you didn't see him on first take. The real reason... And casting no aspersions on what Blaze TV presents and what it has to offer. The real reason he's there is because he can't get a job anywhere else. He hasn't burnt bridges. He's napalmed them. That was the edited version, uh, by the way. All right, I'll put him up for a mask here. Yeah, you know. I've invited Whitlock uh, to come and debate me. Uh, he has done the cowardly thing and ran away. Stephen A. Smith vowed that he finally speak his mind on Jason Whitlock before a wild, roughly 40-minute rant about the conservative commentator, who he called um, a lot. Worthless than a damn cockroach, he said on Wednesday, the ESPN personality slammed his former colleague on the Stephen A. Smith show. Podcast Wednesday after Whitlock, who now hosts a show on the right-wing network Blaze TV, questioned the factual accuracy of Smith's memoir on the program. Add in a column. Um, so here's what uh, Jason Whitlock said. Now, naturally, he's on uh, um, X saying, quote, I knew Stephen A was limited. I didn't know he was this limited. I start, I'm starting to feel sorry for him. I beat up a baby seal. 
Mm. Um, so we know uh, Whitlock is a um, sellout and extremist. Uh, individual is a self-hating individual. Uh, this has this has not shocked us as far as his rhetoric in the black community. Uh, once we understood who he was and what we what he was, we understood how we have to respond to it. Um, Stephen A. Smith obviously was upset. There's a personal relationship here, in addition to a professional relationship as well. And it looks as if, well, you just had enough. Jordan, it was brutal. What thoughts do you have? I'm kind of enjoying it. I <laughs> having <laughs> having watched Jason Whitlock's decline over the past several years has been yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so he the, the article that he's talking about is one of the best articles that I've ever read. And I think about it constantly. It was in Deadspin in 2015, and it talks about Jason Whitlock's time running, I use that term loosely, <laughs> the undefeated, which was going to be like the Black Grantland and a site that eventually got launched. Kevin Morita, who was the second in command at Washington Post, took it over because Whitlock is just a lunatic and yep. the story reveals it. He's just totally full of himself. He would have these all hands meetings where he would just complain about his haters and talk about how like his image of himself. He would have people transcribe inspirational quotes that he would come up with. And it was just a mess. The whole year that he was trying to get the site off the ground was a disaster. And this deadspin piece captured it in a really great way. And they talked about people like in this article then, like Stephen A. Smith, like Jamel Hill, who would refuse to work with him because they knew he was a nightmare. Yep. And now that he can't get a job in traditional sports media, he has to run to the blaze. And now he just does right-wing cultural commentary and then sprinkles in some sports commentary every now and then. Yep, if he continues down this path, dear brother, he will become a cabinet member under Trump's dictatorship. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. The George Floyd thing. That was all set up too. How was that set up? That, that, that uh, police officer would, what, didn't have his knee on the neck. Did you see the video? No, I didn't see the video. Just like I, I think January 6th is rigged too. Talk about January 6th. In terms of what what did you think it was? Tomorrow's the anniversary, three years. Uh, what do you think was rigged about it? I think it was set up by Democrats. In what way? Because there's no, you know, sort of purported evidence of that. I don't know. I think Republicans as a whole are more, you know, just more calm and everything. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, the riots in the streets when, when Trump was, uh, when Trump was president. I mean, the riots, the riots were all Democratic cities. I mean, it, and and if you look at the, they haven't released the videos on January sixth. They did a little bit, and you walk, you watch them, and the guys just walking through. The police are helping them. It's it, it just didn't don't look like a true, you know. It didn't look like the riots. Put his picture up, full mass. 
You see that look on his face? He actually thinks the way he looks. Clueless. But here's the reality. There is a section, a growing sentiment among Trump supporters that deny George Floyd was murdered. We have it on video. There's actually a conviction of cops. Didn't happen. There's this denial that January 6th was an actual violent thing. There's more secret video that shows them, I don't know, blowing bubbles. Jordan, listen, man, if if this was an SNL skit, completely hilarious, right? But it's real freaking life. And it is our current, our current psychological dilemma inside of politics in America. What say you? I mean, these people vote. Yep. They, you know, they think they're engaging with politics. They have no idea what they're talking about, but they are engaged and they vote and they vote in large numbers. It's it's funny to laugh about, but it's horrifying because to an extent they have political power. Yeah. And that's why you can't just resort to cynicism. You can't resort to apathy and think everything's going to be okay because these people are totally misled, delusional, and they're engaged in the in the public process. So you unfortunately you have to cancel out their votes. You have to out organize them. You have to out canvas them. And as frustrating as it may be at some point, like this is who your opposition is. Yep. It's just that the that the George Floyd killing was set up. I mean, there's video of it. You don't, I mean, there's just like countless, countless uh websites, social media sites. That the video is accessible, but just resorting to, well, it was set up. He didn't even have his knee on his neck. What are you talking about? The January 6th thing is is ridiculous. Democrats set that up. Well, they what did they do? Collaborate with Trump, have him go out there on that stage and convinced him to go say, we're gonna march down to the Capitol. Like in what world is that set up by Democrats when Trump was the one who explicitly encouraged it moments before it happened to that same crowd on a stage? I just, I, man, that kind of ignorance must be so amazing. Yeah, and the thing is, man, these individuals work inside of your school system. They work inside of criminal justice systems. Um, you work alongside them in corporate America, and they seem, you know, pretty okay in every other area. And then bring up Trump and see what happens. Okay, the bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Dave Leventhal in the bullpen today, Raw Story Editor in Chief, one of my favorite publications. And we're going to talk about something they've uncovered. Marjorie Taylor Green in violation again, again, and again. All right. Uh, This is a hell of a story, man. So for those who may not know what the reporting has been about, can you set it up for us and then we'll get into the weeds of it? Well, back in uh, 2021, which may seem like a political eon ago, Marjorie Taylor Greene was out fundraising for a super PAC. What are those organizations that can raise and spend 
unlimited amounts of money. And we found out just this past couple of days ago that she had actually been fined $12,000 by the Federal Election Commission, which is not known for fining politicians all that often, okay? It's a very divided, bifurcated, bipartisan body that oftentimes is gridlocked. And yet they were able to agree to find Marjorie Taylor Greene for illegal fundraising in regards to ads that she had promoted and she had cut for this super PAC during Georgia's special election back then. And you know what we found out too though, and this is kind of the kicker is that Marjorie Taylor Greene, even though she was personally fined by the Federal Election Commission, meaning that ostensibly she would have to pay the fine. When we got a copy of the check from the Federal Election Commission, which we did at Raw Story, it showed that the money that she had paid came from her campaign, not from her own bank account. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because it seems to be counterintuitive to the rules. I know there's this insinuation that, well, because she would not have incurred the fine or the penalty, um, if she had not been a candidate. And so because of that interplay, uh, this, this is excusable. And I completely disagree. What is the sentiment um, from this story about how this process worked out in the payment of the fine? Well, you're right. Uh, the, the legality here, if you want to parse the, the legal particulars, is that Marjorie Taylor Greene didn't violate a law again by having her campaign foot the bill for this $12,000 fine, which I should note, there was a vote of five to one. And even two Donald Trump Republican appointees on the Federal Election Commission agreed in principle that Marjorie Taylor Greene had violated this particular election law involving the the advertisements that she had done. But Put yourself in the mind of a Marjorie Taylor Greene supporter. And I suspect many people will be very scared about doing so. But that being <laughs> said, if you're a donor to Marjorie Taylor Greene and you've given $100 or you've given $1,000 and you're expecting that that money is going to, of course, help Marjorie Taylor Greene get elected or, you know, at minimum, have Republicans supported by that money so that you can own the libs and beat the Dems. You might be surprised to find out that, in fact, your money was going to pay for a fine that Marjorie Taylor Greene had personally incurred and then used her campaign committee to cover the bill. Now, that's probably not going to bother at least some people who think that Marjorie Taylor Greene can do no wrong. But there are probably others who are maybe scratching their heads a little bit reading these headlines and saying, well, you know, I, I suspect there was a higher and better use of my money than what ultimately that money went toward. You know, and I think that's accurate for free thinking people. But we have seen a cult like behavior in the psychological expression of many Trump supporters and also by proxy Marjorie Taylor Greene supporters. And I would take us back to the days of Stephen A. Banner when he, Stephen Banner, when he was fundraising to build a wall, a complete lie, took the money to different bank accounts that eventually routed back to him. He got caught, right? You did not see the overwhelming off with his head, give me my money back. I've been manipulated, economic fraud, etc. Now, if this would have been in the context of taxation, there's a problem. But as long as certain people are stealing, there's no problem. I don't understand this dynamic. What has the response been since the reporting? Do you have a sense that there are people who support or supported Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're now saying, wait a minute. Now, I I want my money back because I don't want it to go toward this. 
Well, we don't have a whole lot of evidence, at least at this juncture, that Marjorie Taylor Greene supporters are calling her office or uh, sending emails saying, hey, you know, what, what gives here? I, I want my money back. But I do think that this is an example that underscores the fact and, and a fact that oftentimes is forgotten by the body politic that there are guidelines, there are rules, there are laws that govern the way that money flows through this very laissez-faire political money system that we have kind of put together chock-a-block over the past many decades. And, and that's, you know, you can talk about Citizens United and super PACs and, you know, all the different court cases and the, the different rulings at the Federal Election Commission and laws that Congress has passed and all that put together. If you were drawing up a system from scratch, it would not look anything like this. It couldn't yeah. look anything like this. But yet, that all being said, too, you still do have rules in place and candidates are subject to those rules. And sometimes the rules are more or less ignored. But in other cases, and this being one of them, the, the rules when they are broken, the the bodies that are put in place, the agencies, uh, the regulators, they, they do have a say in all of this. And hey, look, if it wasn't for campaign finance rules, which may not seem like the sexiest thing in the world all the time, but we, we wouldn't have probably one of the four different criminal cases that Donald Trump is now facing. Yeah. So Money in politics is not interesting until it gets really darned interesting. And we, we've got with Marjorie Taylor Greene, one of those cases right in our midst right now this week. Generally speaking, someone running for office, they're not to use campaign money for personal benefit at all. That rule is standard. We have seen Candidates who did not get elected prosecuted for this. And we have seen members of Congress who did get elected prosecuted for this. How is it that all of a sudden we blur the lines when it comes to a personal fine based on personal behavior? Help me understand the splitting of the hairs with this. And Rostory has several lawyers about this. And what the conclusion generally was was that this kind of walked up to the line of personal use, but it didn't cross it. And you mentioned why a moment ago that Marjorie Taylor Greene, basically the FEC says if you're a candidate and you're you're operating even in a illegal fashion, but in the context of being a candidate, that it doesn't violate the personal uh, the personal use rule that is in place. So let's put it this way: If Marjorie Taylor Greene had taken that twelve thousand dollars from her campaign and she went and she bought a new car that she was just using, or a down payment on a, a new Lexus that she was using just for her personal use, or she paid a mortgage payment, or or her cable bill, or anything of that sort, uh, she would be in trouble, and that would be a pretty cut and dried situation. This a little less so. But we have chapter and verse of different times all throughout the years. And we can think of Jesse Jackson Jr., the former mm -hmm. congressman, and John Edwards, and William Jefferson, and a whole slew of Republicans, too, who have gotten into trouble because they decided to one extent or another that they were going to use campaign dollars that they had raised for the specific purpose of being a candidate for Congress or another office for their own personal use. And that gray area, it, it would be nice if it was really black and white, but there is a gray area. And that gray area oftentimes is gonna be determined as to whether the, the blackness or the whiteness of it in a court of law. And that's what we see time and time again.
You know, my one of my law school professors would have said this is a bright line issue that has been basically made up by an administrative committee. And the bright line issue is they're going to interpret a penalty or a fine to be allowable as far as being paid by this particular method. But if you were to take money to, let's say, do something else personal, no. And do you think that maybe because the money is coming back to a governmental authority has anything to do with their, let's just say, liberal approach to the method. Because I can make an argument for, let's go to Jesse Jackson Jr. The argument initially was, hey, listen, he bought a lot of clothes, mm-hmm. but he needed them. He was running for US Congress or in his reelection bid, or he was having to do all these speaking engagements. And it was basically an allowance for his clothing bill. Uh, which is kind of a uniform in the US Congress. So that was an argument. Many said that's a frivolous argument. Just like I would say Marjorie Green's argument is a frivolous argument because she misbehaved in order to get a penalty. How far does it go, dear brother, if she's driving and she decides to speed, but she needs to get to a campaign event on time? Is that permissible to use campaign money to pay for the speeding ticket? Where do <laughs> we draw the line, brother? And that's why we have this regulatory body in place to answer those thorny questions. And there have actually been some pretty novel questions that have come before the FEC over the past several years. One in particular dealt with, of all things, child care, which is maybe not the first thing or 17th thing that you're thinking of when you're talking about political candidates. But you have young mothers and young fathers who are running for Congress. And it's very difficult for them to do so at the level that they want to or to be competitive in a race if they're say the parent of two young children, okay? I'm a dad, I know how hard it is to work when you got a nine year old, so I can appreciate that. And so did the Federal Election Commission. And in fact, in a unanimous decision not long ago, decided that yes, you could in fact use campaign funds to a certain amount to go and pay for childcare for that specific purpose. Health insurance is another thing too, even salaries for members, not members of Congress, but congressional candidates who wanna become members of Congress. These are some of sort of the almost workplace issues that are being dealt with by the Federal Election Commission. I should note too that the Federal Election Commission oftentimes we mentioned this before, does not agree on things that do seem like slam dunks, that do yeah. seem like bright line issues. And that is kind of the nature of the Federal Election Commission, which was created in the aftermath of Watergate in the mid 70s to try to be a, a an umpire, a, a, call, a, a ball, caller of balls and strikes, but didn't quite work out that way. And that's what happens when you have a truly bipartisan commission, three Republicans, three Democrats trying to hash it out in a time like this when Republicans and Democrats can barely agree that there are 50 stars on the US flag. Yeah, um, I agree 100% on that. Um, once again, revealed donors foot the bill for Marjorie Taylor Greene's election law violation. I have to ask you about this story because we covered it today on Indisputable. Uh, once again, Marjorie Taylor Greene showing nude pics. Um, and this is all about sensationalism. This has nothing to do with the business of Congress. But the reality is there's such low, low approval. There's such a low approval of Congress. There's such a lack of faith in Congress that we expect it to be a clown show. And when we don't get one, we're surprised. But when we get one, we understand it as almost normative. What say you about the new tactics by Marjorie Taylor Greene and some others who are now doing these very sensational things rather than doing what they were elected to do, and that's very serious business of the nation? 
Well, no, no, this is surprising for Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, this is the whole nature of how she operates and how it's how she operates her campaigns. It's how she got elected to Congress in the first place by by having an audience for that, a very receptive one in her district that thought that this was great that you had somebody who was going to 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 break all the China and the China shop, be the ultimate bull, if you will, for the cause of the GOP, for MAGA, for Republicans. And we've seen this time and time again from her. We talk about the fine today, about the $12,000 fine for the illegal advertising. But that's not the only fine that she's faced up to over the past couple of years. Let's go back to the the middle of the pandemic when there were mask regulations in Congress. Well, she got fined yep. over and over and over again. The last number I saw was north of $90,000 fines from Congress for just simply violating it and refusing to go along with what most everyone else, Republicans and Democrats, were doing at that time in Congress holding up to that standard. So standards don't seem to apply to Marjorie Taylor Greene and Marjorie Taylor Greene's own mind. And that may be absolutely ridiculous to many Democrats and liberals and independent-minded independents. But for some of the people who are in the Republican Party, certainly for Marjorie Taylor Greene's base, this is just another opportunity for her to just poke her finger in the eyes of the enemy, which are Democrats, which are liberals. And they love it. This is great. This is the attraction and the allure for them to Marjorie Taylor Greene. And that's why she's almost certainly going to win re-election and did last time, despite the fact that she had a Democratic challenger who himself raised almost $15 million to go ahead and try to knock her off and failed miserably in the process. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing, you know, she gets paid a a good salary, members of Congress get paid a good salary. Um, she has about 900,000 in her account off season. You know, that's just war chest money. And still, it seems as if she's able to do these really extreme things, go out and raise a bunch of more money. Because I guarantee you, um, even with this, she's going to say, oh my goodness, I'm being attacked. Please give me some more money. And that has become the cause and effect relationship. Every um, we say negative story, but it's just a truthful story that is perceived negative because of the context of it and because of the truth. But they're able to utilize that now, utilize that energy in order to um, animate their donors and animate their supporters in a way that honestly, man, I've worked in politics 15 years. I haven't seen it this polarized in my uh, career as a political um, analyst. Uh, for those who are watching, uh, please let them know how they can Follow the great work of Raw Story. Absolutely, go to rawstory.com. Please sign up to our newsletter and subscribe, if you will. All that money supports our new investigative team that we put together in the past year, which is doing some incredible, original, exclusive investigative work that we're very, very proud of. And I think you will be too. Thank you to you and the team. You're welcome, thank you. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.